Without further ado, we'll go into today's opening verse. We are looking at John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. Can we stand as we read it together? Shake out that morning. Who's like, I'm ready for 4 p.m. again? I'm ready. <laughs> who's, who's like, Saturday, 11 a.m. services? That has a nice ring to it. Who's... <laughs> Fran and May. That was it. <laughs> On the count of three, our church members are like, y'all catfished us. Y'all got us coming in at 4 p.m. And now we 11 for today? What the? On the count of three, we're going to say this together. One, two, three. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you continue to accept and obey my teaching, you are really my followers. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. They answered, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves. So why do you say that we will be free? Jesus said, the truth is, everyone who sins is a slave, a slave to sin. A slave does not stay with a family forever, but a son belongs to the family forever. So if the son makes you free, you are really free. One last verse. We are looking at Galatians 5.1, and it says, We have freedom now because Christ made us free. So stand strong in that freedom. Don't go back into slavery again. Can we just shout, don't go back? Don't go back. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you that you forsook all that you had and did not consider your equality with God uh, as anything, Lord. But you came down to this earth and were born in a lowly manger. You, were, you experienced all of humanity and then died in our place, Lord, and resurrected to give us everlasting life. We thank you. We just ask that you go forth and speak to our hearts in today's message. In Jesus' name we say, amen and amen. So it is, tis, you guys can be seated. Tis the season. It's Christmas. Who's like Christmas? And I know some of, you know, we're all Christian here. Uh, and so maybe there'll be some obligation here. But who's like Christmas is top tier holiday? Like Christmas is your, I knew Anna wasn't going to make any noise because she considers her birthday a holiday. Uh, <laughs> she's like, there's Jesus' birthday, then there's my birthday. I was uh, Christmas is like your day. Like you love the, the Christmas pajamas, the Christmas sweaters. These, these are you guys. Anybody got other holidays? Like Thanksgiving, okay. Okay, Easter, that's a good Christian one, good Christian. New Year's, you guys like New Year's, okay. Yeah, I, I think I'm like, no one said Martin Luther King Day. Y'all, like, that's a good holiday. I like holiday. Independence Day is a holiday. Some, you know, Christmas, though. Oh, my event. All good. We're going to talk about it. Uh, Christmas, though, I feel like is the seasonal, like, poor Thanksgiving. So I feel bad for Sam because Christmas starts the day after Thanksgiving. Like, Thanksgiving doesn't even get a, Thanksgiving doesn't even have decorations, and I didn't think about it. There's no, like, turkey, that's it. Christmas is beloved 
I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't know why I'm up here today. Christmas, bottom tier for me. I have, like, no love, no, like, I like Jesus. Christmas, I, I could just do without it. Like, one, I just wasn't raised with Christmas. I grew up in a broke, single mother Latino household, so we celebrated Christmas on Three Kings Day. Uh, there just was no Christmas. <laughs> or, 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 uh, well, we got retroactive Christmas. And what retroactive Christmas is, on December 25th, which today actually is my mother's birthday. Hi, Mom. Happy birthday. Uh, what retroactive Christmas it was, right, Mom? Uh, was my mom telling me all the expensive things she got me within the last month. Because if she got you something between November 20th and Christmas 25th, that, that's your Christmas present. That was, she's like, you remember that? You remember the game? You wanted the game at GameStop? Merry Christmas. You want, you remember that jacket? You see, Merry Christmas. That's your Christmas present, okay? And then I got you on Three Kings Day. That was how we celebrated Christmas. This year is actually the first year I even really remember having a tree. I think we had a tree a couple times growing up for like the year and a half that I had a stepfather and he tried to like do things with us. Uh, and even then, even then, I remember my, my Christmas memory was like, you know, true to my nature, telling me that you bought me something and I have to wait to receive it? Like, I just, so my literally, my Christmas memories are my brother, Foe, and I sneaking downstairs, opening up our gifts, playing with them, and then, Anna <laughs> said no. She's like, you just ruined Christmas. Uh, playing with them, and then carefully putting them back. And by carefully, I mean we just put them back and hope no one would notice. Uh, so Christmas, not really, not really my thing. I, I suppose it's fitting because my wife says I'm built like the Grinch. And you guys, you guys said yes. You guys, who said yes like an eight? Yes, preach, pastor. <laughs> she said, she looked at me one time. She said, why you look like you're about to steal Christmas? Uh, but I'm also not a fan of gift giving or getting. I just don't like the whole process. My favorite gift to give people, honestly, is like, hey, if you don't get me a gift, I mean, if I don't have to get you a gift, you don't have to get me a gift, we good. My gift to you is you save money. There we go. Or our gift cards. Gift cards are amazing. Gift is like, look, I got you whatever you decided. That's what I got you. Because I just don't like the stress of having to think. Some of you guys, you guys love gift giving. Do we have like gift givers? Emily, Emily Murray has a list of people's Starbucks orders. Okay? There's just some, that's not me. That's not me. I tell people literally, I go, can you order it? I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. That's what I'm going to do for you. Uh, I am not into the gift giving. What has helped me though is gift receipts. Because I don't like the stress of, like, I'm going to pick this out. I'm going to give it to them. They're going to see it. They're going to hate it because I picked the wrong thing because I got them what I would want. <laughs> what I wanted was an Xbox. And so I'm like, here you go. And they're going to be like, oh, oh it's nice. I'm, I'm married now, so I've signed up to a lifetime of gifts. And my wife loves the last few Christmas gifts I've gotten her. I got her a paint set. She's like, oh, babe. 
She hasn't used it, though. <laughs> like, if I get you a gift, you better use the gift. I called her the other day on a tablet drawing. I was like, no, what are we doing here? The heck? You cheating on my gift, kind of. In the world, I got her this thing to edit. I've never seen her use it once, babe. I'm just going to vent it all out. But gift receipts, they have, don't they make gift getting, giving a little bit easier? It's like, hey, I got you a gift. And then you see their face with, it has a receipt. It has a gift receipt. It's good. So I got you really a gift card. It's like, it gives me peace. I talk about the idea of gifts. I talk about the idea of gift giving uh, because tis the season. We are talking about gifts. Uh, and as much as I love gift receipts, um, well, let me just give you the title of today's message. I'm going to talk about a gift that does not come with a gift receipt. Uh, the title of today's message is Freedom Has No Gift Receipt. Free, you can't return it. You can't exchange it. You can't give it. No, Jesus gave us this gift on not December 25th, but, you know, whatever his real birthday was. Uh, he, gave a, he came to the world to give us the gift of freedom, and he said no backsies. There is no taking this gift away. And as we close our series, what I want you to know in this season is there is no gift receipt for freedom. You cannot give this back. And I, I, I say this as a gift because you see that in John, Jesus says, anyone who follows me, anyone who is truly after me will be set free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed, is really free. Uh, uh, but then we have Paul and Galatians talking to some free people, and they're on the same wave wavelength. What makes us slaves? Sin. Sin. How do we get into bondage? How did we get here in the first place? Sin is what makes us slaves. And Paul says, we have freedom now. Why do we have freedom? Because Christ made us free. And he says, so stand strong in that freedom. Do not go back into slavery again. And as we close this series out, we've covered a lot of things. We have received the gift of freedom. And I want you to, I want you to know there is no thing that you can do. Uh, there is no gift receipt for this freedom. But there is still a call that Paul gives to the church. He says, stand strong in that freedom. Can we declare that? Can we say that to each other? Stand strong. Don't go back. Do not go back. And what I want to preach today are two simple points that I believe that can help us, three simple points that I believe that can help us stand strong in our freedom as we end this series. Can I give them to you? Awesome. The first thing that I want to tell you that we need to declare and write over our hearts because freedom is something we have, but the thing is our mind and our habits like, who's been set free? Free? Yeah. Who's felt like they're still bound? Say woo. Have you ever been there? 
that you, you've placed your faith in Jesus, you've done the matrix, you've done the Bible classes, and you've found yourself in situations where you've said, how did, how did I get here again? How did I end up back here again? Has there been any of us, if we can be so honest? Yeah, I've been there so, so many times. There are things that I've just looked at the Lord and I'm like, how many times do I have to keep releasing this to you? And I just think that there are habits that slowly build us and guide us into choices before we realize we find that the freedom we have, that is a gift, somehow we have lost possession of by our own doing. So here's the first thing that I think if we declare it, will begin to allow us to remain free. The first thing we need to declare over our lives is my mood can no longer be my master. And I, I want to break down the difference here. See, you have three things that are often described with the same words. And we have mood, we have feelings, we have emotions. And you can be an angry mood, an angry emotion, and an angry feeling. We use the same word to mean the same thing, but really we are so complex and intricate. And so what I want you to know is we're not talking about emotions today. Your emotions are immoral. Just so you know, if you've, no one ever told you, you can't have a bad emotion. You can have an incongruent emotion. Like that emotion doesn't make sense for the experience, but your emotions should never be invalidated. Your emotions are validated. You are absolutely right to feel what you are feeling. Your experience is valid. Your emotions, we are there and we have compassion all day for. Do not hear this message and become an emotion suppressor. Experience your emotions. But don't be a, mas don't be a slave to your mood. Your mood is a much more influencing intricate thing. Your emotion usually has to do with a response to a situation. Something happened. You've been triggered. Your mood, it just is. You are just in a bad mood. You are just feeling a type of way. As Pastor Lee would say, you're just not beat for it today. <laughs> Our mood is so enticing. And it, it has this way, I think it's crazy because I've been making decisions about what I was going to do and what I wasn't going to do based off of a mood before I even really processed that I was feeling the mood that I was feeling. In James chapter 1, it says this, you are tempted by the evil things you want. Your own desire leads you away, and traps you. Your desire grows inside you until it results in sin. What is the thing that enslaves us? Sin. And just quick definition, sin, we're not talking about right, wrong. We're talking about unhealthy for my soul. I was having a conversation with a friend, a friend the other day, and I was like, yeah, a lot of times, just when you're a pastor, it's like if this was family feud, what's the number one question you get, a pastor gets, is this a sin? Oftentimes, I'm trying to lead people to stop asking that question because the elevated Christian life is to ask, is this good for my soul? When you understand that, you understand that everything's a sin. 
Ben and Jerry's ice cream is sinful. I promise you. There are shows that I do not watch, not because, oh, it's too, oh, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not, no, it's just not good for me. I would never tell someone, you can't watch this show. No, it's like, nah, that show, I know. I watch that show, House of Cards, I watch that show. I start talking like him. I turn into a villain. And I'm just like, hey, I'm too influenceable. I can't. If the villain is the main character, it's not for me. I'd be talking different. It's not for me. Certain content I can't see because it affects me. So by that standard, <laughs> there's a lot of things that are sinful. And so that's the standard we're working with. We're not talking about sin, Ten Commandments, sin. Those are included because that's good. those are not good for your soul. <laughs> Murder will affect you just a little bit. Um, and so we are talking about is it good for my soul? Does it enslave me? But how do we get enslaved? See, the sin isn't even the starting part, point. Where does it start? It starts at, you're tempted by the evil things you want. You want. It's a reason why certain people can fall for things that you would never fall for. I've never had a drug problem. I've just never. This is, you know why? Not because I'm so self-disciplined. I just find them gross. Like, I've never liked cigarettes. I've never liked any of the hardcore drugs. I only smoked marijuana growing up, and honestly, it's because it made food taste good. I didn't even care about the experience. <laughs> that was it. So how did weed get me? I liked food. Other people have had a proclivity to drugs. Other people, but I, me, myself, you know what gets me every time? The very topic I preached on a, a couple weeks ago, pride. Pride and arrogance, that's my drug problem. Why? Because you're tempted by the things that you want. How do we get there? Well, it's the things that are within us. And I believe that mood and desire are so intimately and tightly linked together. And so if we can just read this with the lens of our mood, so, so many times we are a slave and we've given up to our mood, that our mood has become our master. And then we find ourselves regretting the actions that we took, but we took, we took those actions based on what? A mood. <laughs> I want to preach on boredom. Like, boredom can be a mood. Can I tell you how many? We, we talk so much about anger and anger issues. Boredom issues are a big problem, okay? Some of the worst decisions I've ever made were not from anger. They were from boredom. I spoke two truths to Zab. He's like, amen. Like, there are so many moods that will have you so much more open to things before you realize. And so what we have to do is we have to examine ourselves, but we have to make this declaration. Hey, I'm no longer a slave to my mood. My mood is no longer my master. I don't make decisions based upon how I feel. I don't make decisions based upon my mood and, and what, what I'm just feeling today. No, I make decisions based on the fact that I follow the teachings of Jesus. I make decisions based on the fact that Jesus has set me free. I make the decisions based on who Christ has called me to be. And I promise you this, Christ will always call you to do what you are not in the mood to do. Can we make this declaration today? My mood is no longer my master. My mood is no longer my master. Second point, I must value 
God's truth over my perspective. How do we stay free? So often it's hard to trust God because we're talking to God from our lens and our story and we're not seeing his eyes on it. Let me tell you, this is my marriage. Me and my wife, right, baby, I could put us out there. Our arguments sound like this because we are healed. But you would think heal, being healed makes you better. No, it just makes you better at arguing unhealed in a healthy way. I promise you, this is what me and my wife sound arguing. Yes, yes, yes. You, you did this, but I, we don't say I, you always do this. You know what we say? I feel like you always do this. I feel like you always do this. And if we're arguing, it's like, no, no, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. No, no, no. But it's my perspective. In my perspective. Okay, well, in my perspective, you're wrong. Well, in my perspective, you're wrong. And now we're just arguing each other's perspectives at each other. Because we found, we've cracked the code. We just say it's my perspective. Like, this is my perspective. You're wrong. You need therapy. And she's like, it's my perspective. You haven't had enough therapy. <laughs> I really need to see their credentials. I'm kidding. She hasn't said that. <clears throat> she's implied. No. We, I think I, I've said this often to Pastor Roe, that as I became um, I learned, you know, as I have done schooling in psychology, I've always felt like my generation is the turnaround generation. Like, I didn't have a beeper, but I saw beepers and boom boxes. The iPhone came out in my generation. Like, it saw the transition. One of the transitions was mental health awareness. And I feel like the transition, I, the, the era I grew up in, Ro always says, we ain't have good kids, we have bad kids. I grew up like that transitional period. Like, I had ADHD for 29 years and didn't get diagnosed till I worked at a psychiatric clinic. <laughs> I was just weird. That's what I was growing up. I grew up right at that turning point. And right as I became an adult, I noticed that people were becoming more aware of mental health. And I was applauding that. But I can't help but feel like we've also swung the pendulum a little bit. Like, if you disagree with me, you're gaslighting me. <laughs> Because that's my perspective and my truth. I just, what's annoying about being a Christian is there is no objective truth in this room if it's not God's. It's like, it's your truth, it's my truth, it's his truth, it's her truth, but we all wrong if it doesn't align with God's truth. And so often we find ourselves bound because of the stories we're telling ourselves. And we're telling ourselves narratives. And you've been set free. But you've been telling yourself the narrative of unforgiveness. You've forgiven them. But your story is still writing the same scripts. So what do we have to do? We have to... Don't change your perspective. I'm going to tell you. 29, been to counseling multiple times, master student. I'm going to give you the credentials. You ready? Master student. I'm going to do all that just so I can tell you I still got issues. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, it's not fair that the more you get experienced in this, the more you realize how far away you are. Start envying people like, how are they so healed? They didn't go to school. That's not fair, God. It's not fair. 
they took a quiz and now they're set free. That's not right. I had to pay for this healing. Um, Don't try to change your perspective. That is a long and arduous journey. I believe that it will be a lifetime as we try to unlearn things and also exist in a culture that is just validating of some of these things. We don't live in a culture that values community and togetherness. We live in a culture that values independence. You be you. And so it's not changing your perspective. It's just valuing God's as more. Can I show you, show you what that looked like? <clears throat> in John 8, Jesus says to the Jews, this was our opening verse, he says, if you continue to accept and obey my teaching, you are really my followers. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You accept his teachings, you obey his teachings, you become to know the truth, and the truth itself makes you free. Jesus is the living embodiment of everything that he ever asked us to do. And so the most beautiful time we see this is in Mark. It's in other Gospels, but in Mark, I love the way it captures it. We see Jesus in the garden, ready to die. He knows what's next. He does not want to do it. And in Mark, he says, Jesus went on a little farther away from them, fell to the ground and prayed. He asked that if possible, he would not have this time of suffering. Have you ever been in your God take this away from me season? Like God don't make me go through what I'm about to go through. God, there must be another way. God, I'm tired of this. When is enough going to be enough? When is it going to be my turn? Why does this always happen? If you're me and Amanda, why do we feel like this always happens? to us. Jesus was there. He says, if possible, he would not have this time of suffering. And he says, and and I believe he cries this out, Abba, Father, you can do all things. Some of us struggle with a God that can do all things, but won't do the thing we're asking. Jesus says, you can do all things. Don't make me drink from this cup. Don't make me endure this suffering. Don't make me go through this cycle again. Don't make me do this. That's his story. But do what you want. Not what I want. Do what you want, God. Not what I want. I know what my story is writing. I know what my script is saying. But nevertheless, God, I know that this was never about me in the first place. It is about your will in this world and the story you are writing. So nevertheless, even though it seems ugly, even though it seems gritty, even though it seems unfair, unjust, and wrong, like how much more unfair does it get to be the son of God, to be the righteous one, to live the perfect life, and you have to die the death of a sinner. 
But nevertheless, Jesus' perspective didn't change. His value was what was different. He says, nevertheless, not my perspective, not my story, not what I want, Father. What you want. And we need to be a church if we want to maintain our freedom as the worship team comes up that declares this. That declares not my story because it's not my story. Not my perspective, because it's not about what I can see. And I don't want to live by what I can see in the first place because my vision is so limited. I want to live by his infinite, infinite, infinite vision. Have you ever been there in your suffering season? And then you got through it and you looked back and you said, I would never change it. Have we been there? That you didn't realize why you were going through what you were going through until you got through it. I don't want to live by my version of the story anyway. And so if I want to maintain freedom in my marriage, I need to stop living by the stories I'm telling myself. Start living by the stories God is telling me about my wife, about my partner, about our mission together. If I want to live the life that I need to live in my church and in my community, I need to stop living by the stories I'm telling myself there. And I need to start living by what God is writing. Lord, why did you place me in this mess? Perhaps it's because we were the light on the hill and we find ourselves around darkness because God needs us to light it up some. If we would just get the focus off of us and put it onto him, what might that light look like in some of your darkest, most annoying, frustrating places? Last point. If we could stand for this point, it'll help me go faster. Before I say this, these are the first two points. I must no longer let my mood be my master. I must value God's truth, God's truth over my perspective. You're going to fail at this. Been a Christian for a while now. And the path of being Christian is either I find myself failing, or even in my success, I become enamored, so enamored with God that I realize how far off I am from Him. And you're going to feel like you're messing this up. You're going to find yourself stuck again. You're going to find yourself. Like we just preached this series on freedom. I'm on my fourth year of Matrix. I just got through counseling again. Why, how did I get here? You're going to feel bound. And so this point is for these moments. How do we remain free? Even when we feel like we've lost that freedom, I want you to remember the title, your freedom has no gift received. And so you need to simply declare this right now for the last point. I must always, can we say that? I must always, I must always remember who set me free. You were not free by what you did. You were not set free 
by who you are and, and actions and programs. You are not free by remembering a, a, a great word that was, you were not free because you came up to an altar call. No, all of those things were avenues that were made possible because the Son of God came down to earth. You were set free because the Son has set you free. You were set free because you chose to obey and follow the one who makes you free. You were set free because you trusted in him. There is no gift receipt for this freedom. There is no, can I tell you, bondage is an illusion. And you only stay in bondage because you continue to believe the lie that you are bound. You continue to believe the story that you'll never be enough, that you can't get out of this. Bondage is an illusion if you've placed your faith in Jesus. Remember who set you free. I'm a fan of all the practical things. Get the counseling. Read a self-help book. I do it all. But remember who sets you free. I've seen people go through programs, but I've seen people set free overnight. Overnight. Why? Because of the one who sets them free. I must always remember who set me free. John chapter 8. But a son belongs to the family forever. So if the son makes you free, you are really free. Has the sun set you guys free? Has the sun set you free today? Then you need to just remember in those moments of bondage, all the times you've experienced his goodness, all the times you've experienced his freedom, and to remind yourself, wait a minute, I'm not bound. I'm not stuck here. I know who my daddy is. I know my gift giver. You can't take away my freedom. You can't take away my freedom. I don't care if I've messed up. I know who to go back to because this is the gift that keeps on giving and giving and you can walk in your freedom today, tomorrow, a year from now, five years from now. You can live your whole life and go and go, oh, oh, oh I found a bit of bondage. Never mind. Never mind. It's gone because I know the one who sets me free. I know the one as we close out who sets me free. Can we live that out? Can we declare that today? Can we come up and worship him? Come up and worship the one who came to this earth, our baby Jesus, who would grow to set us free and give us the greatest gift ever of all time. In Jesus' name.